Good evening, Patriots. And it is Friday, June 10th. The East Coast you just hit Saturday. We'll catch up with you in a bit. And, of course, we just finished an awesome interview the hour before with Ted and Shemaine Nugent. Check that out. It's posted, and the video version of it will be up either later tonight or it will be up tomorrow morning. But it's almost done. I just had to bring in the introduction that I did today in the show and then, of course, just add the visuals to support that. used to do that all the time, but since YouTube was such a pain in the backside, we just stayed to podcasting, which I just audio, which I actually enjoy a lot. But anyway, that version will be up. It's worth checking out. Just some pretty cool things just to see in there. So that's that's it. So before we begin, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep and make sure you're enjoying your mornings with some awesome slippers from My Pillow. My Pillow has the best sleep and bedroom products around, and it's a Patriot-run company with a CEO that carries Christ in his heart. You can't get much better than that. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I want to give each and every one of you one last chance to get my original My Slippers. Go to MyPillow.com number on your screen now. Use your promo code, and you'll get your very own My Slippers for only $49.98. That's $90 off and the biggest savings ever. What makes My Slippers different is my exclusive four-layer design that you won't find in any other slippers. My Slippers patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help reduce stress on your feet. Not only that, they come with an indoor-outdoor sole so you can wear them anytime, anywhere. I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable slippers you'll ever own. And now you can get them for the best savings ever, only $49.98. Go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen now to get your very own My Slippers for only $49.98. That's $90 off. We have extremely low quantities, and once they're gone, they're gone. So order now. That's MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Your promo code is Bards. And you can call 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939 as well if you want to speak to a real person where they've got Patriot Pillow Counselors on standby. So again, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards features all of the latest specials that you can get at MyPillow, which are just many and awesome. And use your promo code Bards. All right, so there's a lot that's been kind of going on today. Is And I haven't done a lot of news today because I've been more focused on more relevant and important issues like a cool interview with Ted and Shemaine Nugent. But I do want to touch on a few things and just some things that are evolving. There's a lot more scuttlebutt that and we've heard this already, so it's hard to say, but they're saying we got a report earlier today that Antifa was being bussed in to the D.C. area. And, of course, we had that alert from DHS on domestic terrorism, which wouldn't surprise me. Take a listen to this. All right, I'm hearing rumor that Air Force One has flown to an undisclosed location with Biden and the defense secretary. It's the doomsday bunker in West Virginia, most likely. I'm also hearing rumor that BLM and Antifa are being bussed into D.C. by the shitload. You know what's coming up, right? They're about to repeal Roe v. Wade. And if Biden and all these other officials are going into hiding, that just tells you that once it's repealed, they plan on letting BLM and Antifa burn D.C. to the ground. 
This, of course, is the worst-case scenario. It's all rumor. But we all know how these people are. And we all know in today's world, rumor quickly becomes fact. Nothing could happen. But be ready. Protect your families. The guy's a little dramatic. But anyway, the point is that there is that. And then there's another report that's come out tonight. And this was posted on Twitter. That the Roe versus Wade may be pulling back. or The Supreme Court may overturn it on as early as Monday. There's a couple different tweets. Here's one. Breaking, President Biden announces he will likely issue an executive order to protect abortion rights if the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade later this month. And so that's one thing. So obviously they're sensing something's upcoming. And then there's another one here, breaking. This comes from Freedom Fight Night. SCOTUS may overturn Roe v. Wade as soon as Monday. Fight for life, fight for freedom. So we're... It's coming up. That's not a question of whether it is. But there's something I want to point out, which is dark and real. And that is that the number of miscarriages and the ability for women to carry babies to full term or even to get pregnant for that matter is, well, let me just put it this way. It's the number of people that can that can carry or get pregnant is declining if, if you've taken the shot. Let me put it that way. And if and those that have taken the shot, if they do get pregnant, they are they're naturally aborting because their bodies are completely screwed up. And this is on a massive scale. So the reason I'm bringing this up is essentially Planned Parenthood got put out of business when they gave everybody the mRNA shot. And even worse is that for those that are aborting, they no longer need to ask permission to get fetal parts. They just get it because the body's rejecting it, and that's what the hospital's going to take care of. So they're migrating people over to birthing clinics. I've said this for a while, and this is kind of their master plan. They do not want human beings having conceiving children. They want to be able to conceive them in the labs because then they can control, they think, the the capacity for certain functions, they can enhance certain functions for those that can afford it and are part of the elite class. For those that they don't want in the elite class, then they can ensure that there'll be a lower IQ, lower physical functions, things like that. And, of course, it will all be for pay. You'll have to pay to get special features. The part that I find just insidious about this is with their with the left's rules, which they're so pleased about that a child can choose their gender at any age, I'm waiting for the first instance because it's going to happen that the parents pay big money to have the child designed a certain way. So we'll say, for example, they're going to pay 50 or a hundred thousand dollars to ensure that they get a boy with blue eyes and blonde hair and a certain IQ of say 120 only to discover that the child at age five decides it wants to be a girl with brown hair and wants to be, by self-choice, because now it's you can be a a trans, what do they call this, um, abled, transabled, which means you can be disabled. So you're going to end up with this case where there's going to be a child that is born as a boy that's been genetically engineered to be of a certain point, and that child will then choose <laughs> to make itself a girl 
with different color hair and eyes and maybe even cut off some fingers and some toes because it wants to be disabled. I mean, this is literally how stupid this whole thing gets. And I'm look, I'm, I'm making the scenario up, but you can see the writing on the wall. This is already happening. And if you're not following this, I'm serious. Just pay attention to what they're doing. They're, they're giving choice to children at five years old. And they're, give, they're going to be pushing parents to be able to choose. Initially, it'll be the, they're already doing it. The elite, whether you realize it or not, the elite are already choosing how they want their children engineered. That's been going on a long time. But now they're going to make it widely available for everybody because they're going to have to because their people are cannot get pregnant. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting mess. We're heading into quite an interesting mess. These are literally the challenging times that we are in. And I can't tell you it's going to be easy. And it won't be because there's just too much ridiculousness and stupidness going on. If you didn't hear today, Canada is pushing to have all private property removed. They are making the argument that people don't actually have the right to private property. This is an interesting one, which they claim they can defend. And I don't know that they can, but they seem to think that they can, that they can defend it in court to such a degree that there is no way of preventing people from ever having private private property again because they say it's not actually written in their charter to guarantee it. That may very well be the case. I don't know. I'm not Canadian, though we have some great Canadian people and a great Canadian mod here, so they may be able to answer that over time. But that is definitely the push for Canada as they take away gun rights. The thing I, reason I bring that up is that's the end goal anyway. Remember, you will own nothing you will rent everything and you will be happy. That's the objective. Now, if you didn't hear today, the CPI, which is the Consumer Price Index, was announced and it left a lot of people in Wall Street shocked. And it was worse than they anticipated. The thing is that the CPI is, is not exactly a true reflection of of inflation because they average it with too many other things. But when you get into actual costs and you start to see what's really happening, just starting with the CPI, the inflation rate right now is at 8.5%, which is crazy. And then you have, but when you get into gas costs, that's where it starts to get really stupid because the gas cost is up 70%. Now, the reason I bring this up is when you do a CPI, this is for investors. Okay, so investors average that out with many other things. Like you have the food, you have perishables, you have hardline ob objects or items. Well, they might call them durable goods because that's going to be cars, TVs, furniture. You have other costs like medical costs. You're going to have educational costs. But all these things, when you average them out, it comes out to 8.5%. But here's what's not reflected in the CPI and why this is such a big deal. And this is that 
when you look at a CPI and you take out all the things that a basic family doesn't deal with, like a family with children, then you start to get to the core of what the actual inflation rate is. A basic family of a lower income, low middle to middle class income family that doesn't deal with the cost of education, that uses public school, the medical costs are maybe covered by their job through medical insurance, and that has been relatively stable, believe it or not, during this time. But the real impact of costs for these families are the fundamentals. Gas, food, housing. And you add clothing out there, but clothing can be endured or even there's other ways to get through clothing, even if people are buying it secondhand or at Goodwill. But the core items of gas, food, and housing. So what does that look like? Well, we've got gas up 70%. Food is up close to 30%. And rents are up. It depends on where you're at. Just without the any new leases, rents are up about 1%, which doesn't sound like a lot, except that the projection is that when the leases begin to be renewed through this year, rents are expected to jump 30 to 40% on the average. Now, that averages out when you do that between 70, 30, and 40. You come in at about an aggregate of about 40% inflation. The last time I checked, and that's real inflation. That's not consumer price index inflation. That's real inflation in the pocketbook. So the last time I checked, people weren't getting a 40% raise, and they weren't getting 40% increase in their buying power. And gas is continuing to rise. You can expect to see gas hit $10 a gallon by the end of the summer. So you can imagine where we're going to be with this. And it's extremely important to understand what we're heading into. And there's no stopping this freight train. We're going into a place where rents will increase. They're already higher, and they're going to get much higher, 30 to 40%. That's, in, that's absolutely being positioned right now. You have food and you have gas costs. So where is that money going to come from? The answer, they don't have it. So something's going to have to give. So there's choices, and I was talking about this months ago. We're going to hit a point where people have to choose between eating, between paying rent, and between traveling by a car. And if you have a job that causes you to travel, you're going to have to make a choice on whether you're going to eat or whether you're going to buy gas or whether you're going to eat and buy gas and pay rent. I mean, it, these things are getting bad. We're already starting to see the beginnings of this. If you look around, you're going to start seeing families that aren't homeless but are homeless now, but they shouldn't be homeless families that are already starting to be seen out here because they can't afford the rent. We have to be in a position, as a nation, we're not prepared for this. Let me just say it this way. There's no possible way that enough people have pulled their head out of their backside to realize this crisis that we're in. And unfortunately, too many people are very self-consumed right now, and way too many people are still consumed with the mask and the fear of monkeypox or whatever the latest variant is. I, I literally heard, this comes within my own family, so this isn't, this isn't like secondhand, but this was literally what was said. And I do have a couple of 
extended family members that have decided that getting all the boosters and shots was a really good idea. I can't, it, it, just to prove the point that genetics does not, <laughs> genetics does not guarantee you will not become idiot, an idiot and stupid. I, I can't guarantee that. So I, that, much of that is just the consequence of, I don't even know what to say. I, 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 I disown it anyway, just so you know. But my point of this is that this is what's being told because it's being shared back. A couple of them have gotten very sick, which we know why, because the immune systems are breaking down. The spike proteins have rewritten the immune system to respond to a very specific virus, which no longer exists if it ever did exist. And so in a common cold and a flu season, which we're having right now, which is just normal, and other people their immune systems are breaking down. We're seeing this cold continue, whatever it is, whether you believe in viral science, bacterial sciences, I'm not, it all works. The point is that they're getting sicker because their immune systems are not functioning. They're continually degrading day by day. But this is what the medical institutions are telling people. It's a good thing that you got it. And remember, these people are vaxxed. I want you to think about what I just said. These people are vaxxed. And this is what the medical institution is selling to them. It's a good thing that you got it. It's a good thing you got COVID. And it's long COVID, but it's a good thing you got it. Because now then you now that you've had it, the next time you get it, it won't be as bad. That is the biggest line of garbage I've ever heard. I mean, this, there's so many fallacies within that statement. It's stunning. First of all, you got vaxxed and it's a good thing you got COVID. So I my guess that kind of negates the vax, right? A normal person would think that. And then the best part is it's a good thing you got it because the next time you get it, so they're already telling them they're going to get it again. But if you know, if it if you follow viral sciences, which some people don't, and I respect that because I'm questioning a lot about viral sciences. Either way, if you follow viral sciences, what it tells you is viruses mutate. So if viruses mutate, you're not going to be able to get the same thing again. But this is the garbage that's being sold and people are buying it. And we're just witnessing so much of this collapse of society. It just doesn't stop. Now, in other news, you, the clown show of the January 6th meeting is what they're doing is they're actually using that as a premise to get rid of the Electoral College. I was, I've been trying to get hold of Wano Saban, and, I, and I'm going to try to get him on, hopefully interview him this weekend so we could have it on on Monday night. He's heavily involved in, as came out in an MSNBC report, hit piece on him, which means that he hit the All-Star League on this one. He's been involved in getting secretaries of state in the election area elected into, that will preserve the Electoral College. But it's in the headlines today that the January 6th committee, is they're saying that it's being used to abolish Electoral College. That is the, that's the back-end deal. They're trying to turn us into a popular vote. They're trying to federalize all the elections, and they're in the process, they're going to demonize the MAGA supporters as radical conservative Nazis, and they're going to ultimately, they, their goal, whether they accomplish it or not, is to issue an arrest warrant for President Donald J. Trump. That is their entire goal. So just be aware of that, and don't get too worked up on it, but it it is what it is. I mean, this is we're in the middle of a war, and it's a deadly one 
and they're trying to destroy our country. Here's the problem we have with the idea of the plan and the plan. Their plan is working very well. I'm just going to say it this way. Their plan is working very well. In fact, it's working brilliantly because in the process of 18 months, they have dismantled the United States from inside out, from an enemy from within at a rate and pace that we never imagined possible. We have full agencies that are lockstep within this dismantling, including many members of law enforcement and border patrol. DHS is lockstep with this idea of letting illegals enter the country. They're shuttling them around. We have fighting age males pouring across the border. And our military is massively compromised. I don't know if you've been tracking. There have been three military aircraft crash in Southern California, an F-18, a Seahawk, and an Osprey. What's the common thread? Guaranteed, every one of those pilots was injected. Our military is heavily compromised. And this is the hard red pill that we have to start coming to face with as a public. We're losing our defensive perimeter because of the shot, which was mandated by the Department of Defense, which the Department of Defense was in bed with Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, all of these to produce this injection, which they field tested and turned the entire military into a Petri dish. And the only ones who were able to truly resist was what is effectively now a remnant. We are at a point right now when the reality of where of our role is becoming increasingly clear. Like it or not, we have been, as a nation, we are being whittled down. And those that are unvaxxed, those that are standing purely and strongly with, with God, we are, we are the 3%. That's where I'm getting with this. And this does, none of this even bothers me. I'm going to be clear about this because I, this doesn't, I think some people get worked up. I've, I've heard people say this to me. They're like, oh, we don't have our military. We're done. I'm like, okay, I'm not playing that game. I just don't do it. I know that their idea, if they weren't concerned about the public, they wouldn't even be worrying about taking away your guns. Understand that. If they weren't concerned about your threat, our threat, they would not be trying to take away the guns because they would just say like, okay, enough people will die off. We'll just go around and collect them when they're all dead. That would be their attitude, time. But as I've said many times, something has accelerated their timeline. I don't know what it is. Part of it is the awakening. We know that. And part of it is this position of the, the awakening happening with more and more people understanding truth and opening their eyes to truth. Our biggest challenge is to continue to wake people up and to get them put, putting their eyes on Christ, not their eyes on Trump and their eyes on people to save them. We are the plan. We've always been the plan because we're God's children, and that's where that works. And even at the core, whether you support Q or not support Q, is, is, it's irrelevant. The, the point is that even in the Q concept, we have always been the plan not the other way around, meaning Q is the plan. That's, and that, unfortunately, has become one of these aberrations that has happened over time when people, again, have shifted their responsibility to something exterior to themselves. That's idolatry. 
and unfortunately, we're very programmed to do that. So at this point in time, we are in such a state as a nation that we don't really know absolute truths anywhere. We know that there's a lot of confusion. For everything that I could say that's fact, we will we could well, I'm gonna hear somebody else say it. That's not what's happening. There's actually like this is something I read the other day. That the cra- air crashes aren't really the air crashes. I'm like, okay, so what are they? Well, they're actually cover-ups for the Space Force to be pulling in new members of its team, and they're crashing aircraft, and they're they're saying they're crashed, but they're not actually crashed because these people have been selected to work for Space Force. <laughs> I'm like, all right, there's a story for you. Sounds good to me. I mean, here's my point of this: is it's easy to get stuck in all these rabbit holes, and it's easy to get stuck in these fantasies of hopium. And I'm going to be honest with you. I would never discount something a hundred percent. I mean, is it possible that these three crashes, the F-18, the Seahawk and the Osprey were a cover up to pull somebody off and declare them dead? Sure. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. And so what they went into the witness protection program and now they've got a new ID and they've brought, been brought down to some dark underground bunker and they've been put through a jump gate and now they're on the moon and they're flying in some super hyperspeed aircraft that are they're getting ready, ready to come back through the jump gate to save us here on Earth. I mean, how far do you want this to go? And the reason I say this is if any of that is real or not, it's irrelevant. Because we have to stay focused on what's real. And what's real is before us. And what's real is what is our relationship with Christ. And I and boy, do I love saying that too, by the way. Because for those that don't know Christ, for those that don't know God, you say that's real and they look at you like, oh, come on, man. Like what, some dude in the clouds? And it's like, no, not some dude in the clouds. Some dude I walk with who managed to be sacrificed to give us all life if we'd accept him in our heart. Somebody I talk to daily. Somebody I check everything through first, somebody I live and breathe through, somebody who I seek constantly to be so in, in line with who and what his greatness is, is to try to seek perfection in my own life in alignment with his. That sort of ideal is, and reality is a better way of saying it, is so far afield for so many that they do look at us like freaks, and I'm like, okay, I'll take that title. I'm a Jesus freak. I'll take it any day I want. And it's a beautiful place to be as we pursue what the gifts are we were given. And there are many, but as I always like to, and I'm just going to really focus on some, two of the verses tonight, a few of the verses, but two which I've been hammering home because I just think they're so relevant to where we are, which again is Luke 10, 19 and John 14, 12. And I'm, I'm just putting this out as a question, not a one to answer, but it's one to ponder on. So when I read Luke 10, 19, I'm just going to put to you, ask yourself, challenge you to ask yourself and ask, ask God in prayer, what does this really look like? Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. 
What does that look like? Because that's not a parable. That is red letter language. And we are in a point where we have to start really looking at, in my opinion, many of these things because they are essentially part of our birthright. And I think that's what's so profound. And as we try to embrace our birthright and seek our birthright would be better said. We have to start looking at what Christ is telling us. I think it's rather profound. I mean, I, I can translate this in many ways, but I can say that when these are said and we're and claiming authority over the power of all the enemy, that is unbelievable when you think about it. But it says the same thing. If you look at our Declaration of Independence, it's telling us the same thing because it's saying that we have authority over the government, which right now, by the way, is the enemy, if you haven't figured that out. We have authority over our government, and it is it is intended to do the will of the people and that we are all submitted, subordinate to God. So the question we have to ask is, how do we get in such a place of inversion? Because it didn't just happen. So we literally have to start considering how we got here. And a lot of it just comes from our either not understanding or not trusting in God. I don't know that, I don't know of, won't say there aren't any, I don't know of pulpits that have been teaching these as true gifts and authorities. Rather, they're just very much said, I just kind of read through it like it's no big deal. And then we're like, oh, okay, cool. But that's rather profound. And, but I think if we go back to our early sermons, which I read one last night, and I'm going to make a point of reading some more in the future of our sermons from the 1700s, we're going to revive and understand that that was teachings in different ways that was endemic to what they were saying. Our churches lost their way for the most part. Not all. I want to be clear. There are some amazing number of churches in this country and small churches and, and places that don't get any attention or pastors are doing amazing work. And there are a few larger ones as well. If you remember John Benzinger, he's been on the show. He was in Bart's Fest. And he just is, he's, this weekend, he's doing a seminar on communism with one of the preeminent pr- producers of communist doctrine. I mean, that is an amazing, they've got 300 plus people at that seminar. What we have to start doing is getting back to the areas where we can control. When we join big congregations, when we become part of big political organizations, we just become another cog in the wheel. And I think there's one really unspoken lesson through everything that we witness in the New Testament with Christ, and that is Christ always works with relatively small groups. He keeps moving, and he doesn't attach himself to any one group. In fact, he doesn't allow others to attach themselves to him, which is really important. And I'll, and where that comes in, and I, it's in Mark, and I'm not even thinking of the exact verse, but it basically is when he's down praying in the morning, and his, and his disciples come to him, and they say, Master, Master, where have you been? And he then says, let's go on to the next village and so I can complete what I've come out to do. Why that is so significant is 
they tell him that they're waiting for him back in the village. He doesn't even say goodbye. He just is like, let's go. They can we don't even they don't even know where I'm need to know where I'm going. Just let's go. And they're waiting for him and he just walks, he doesn't show up. What is the significance? Um, for me, the when I always read that, I'm like, wow, he does not allow people to idolize him. He's not allowing the idolatry to develop. And instead, he's forcing people to reflect on what he's already given them. And that comes out again and again because Christ many times, is he's, he's expecting people to grasp it and to live through him and the acceptance of him. He's not handing out Bibles. When he's dealing with the possessed guy, with all the demons, the legions, And that's happening. And then at the end, when all the legions are gone, he puts them into the pigs. The pigs go crazy. They run down to the water. They drown themselves, that stuff. And he wants to follow Christ. And he says, no, you need to go back to the village and, and tell them what I've done. He's trusting in him to go back and to share with them his experiences. But he didn't go to seminary. The guy didn't get a Bible. He didn't get anything. This all kind of pivots back on these two passages because there's so much in here when it says, again, when Luke is saying that we have authority over the power of the enemy, Christ has said this, and somehow I think many look to say, okay, well, then what's the rules? What's the rules of engagement? How do I do this? How do I get there? It doesn't need to be given as rules. It's it, it's expected you'll accept it and trust in it. And to me, that's truly profound because it opens up another dimension of trust and it opens up another powerful part of who we are in this place. Consider John 14, 12, another verse I've gone over and over so many times. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. It's full stop. Okay. I got that. We, we can be equal to Christ if we believe in him. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you one believes in me, okay, we believe in Christ, the works that I do, he will do also. The works. So what does the works look like? Healing. It is one. Counseling. Spreading this the concept of the gospel through the true essence of agape love. The works that I do also, that would mean what? Like as well healing the ear off of one who got their ear cut off by the sword of Peter. You see, it's there's a lot in this. And then it goes on to say, and greater works than these he will do. Because I'm going to the Father. And you're like, wait a minute, wait, you just said I can do greater works than, than you, Jesus? And Jesus is saying this, greater works than these he, can, he, must, he will do. Those are not small things to consider. And they are so amazing when you consider the magnitude of this and it centers truly on us again of where do we stand with this place of trust and truly seeking to walk within him i mean we we've told the story i have told the story of we all know the story of the of the adulteress and the accusers. It depends 
on what version you read, but essentially there is a line in there of go and sin no more. How is that possible according to what we understand about gospel and scripture and Christ? Because the churches are going to teach you that you cannot live on this earth unless you are a sinner, and yet he says that you can go and sin no more. These are profound words. And what it's showing to me is the potential of what we have within us and the conditioning that we've lived in us to tell us that we can't are, are on opposite ends right now. We have been told time and time and time again that we cannot. And yet Christ is telling us time and time again, you can and you can do greater than me. I don't know. Who do you want to believe? Do you want to believe the TV? Do you want to believe the, the media? Do you want to believe the in, indoctrination and the inoculation of negativity that's around our world? Or do you want to believe when what Christ is telling us that we have the potential to do and seek it? Because I don't know how to get there, but I know that it's going to begin with a couple of things. I know it has to have prayer at its, at its base. I know that it's going to have to be humility before the, our Lord and King and Savior. And I know that there's going to have to be a willingness to hear and do things that Father wants us to do that we may not want to do because that gets back to humility, not our ego. And that means sometimes accepting when we don't want to accept, but it also may mean raising up the sword of of the Spirit when we don't want to do that either. But all of that is, it's there. It is the potential is there. And that excites me because it, it shows the potential of what we have here on this earth. That we have not even come close to realizing. Gideon needed 300. That's it. At the end of the day, after 33,000 troops or so that were there, 32, he ends up with 300. You have to, you have to figure that when God was paring these down, and he's looking, he's like, hey, I, I'm going to have you do something. Gideon's like, okay, cool, what do you want me to do? He's like, I want you to go out and I want you to ask them, whoever's afraid, to go home. And you just, you know Gideon's, he's humble and Gideon's loyal to God, but you know that somewhere in his mind he's probably going, all right, sure, God, whatever. I got a big army. He's like, just ask them. So they, he asks them. And what happens? 20,000 go away. Can you imagine that? Be like, all right, God, what did you do to me? He's like, I want you now to have him drink water. And whoever gets down and, and laps like a dog and I, I, holds in their hand, I want you to I want you to keep them. I want you to send everybody else home. And, and you know, he's like, okay, cool. I got a bunch of people. He ends up with 300 people. And yet these 300, because their heart is right, when they blow the horns and they break the pots of light, they scatter an army of thousands and turn the army on itself to such a degree that it starts to kill and destroy itself from within. And it only took 300 that were loyal, more than loyal, they were trusting in God. So what is that 300 in whatever metaphor that looks like to you? What does that 300 look like today? When we know that we have, been, we have authority over snakes and scorpions, something that We have Christ telling us that now. We have all the stories of the Old Testament, of Gideon, of David, of Joshua. We have all those stories. 
We know that the power when God works through us is un- immense. It's, in, it's unmeasurable. We, we know that we can walk through fire if we are so much in alignment. We know that nothing literally can affect us. So the question again is why has it and why are we here? And somewhere in there, we're going to have to dissect that and be honest. And that's a different answer for many. For each person, it's not one universal answer. I think we're going to find the common things of complacency, of lack of accepting what was before us, fear for some, apathy for others, perhaps laziness, perhaps just the unwillingness of wanting to take the authority because it was easier, which would lead us to the other key word in all this, which is convenience. And so that gets to the final piece of this, knowing versus believing. And that has a kind of a two-edged sword to it. So when someone says to me, I believe in God, I say, I know God. I believe in Jesus, I say, I know Jesus. But if we're reading these, Luke and John, and are, if you are saying that, are you, are you believing in what's being said or are you just accepting what you know? So it's an inversion here. Are you believing through the relationship of knowing in what this says? Or are you just reading the words and saying, okay, cool, those are some cool things. I want those superpowers. That's not superpowers. Just things to ponder and things to think about because I, I am one who believes truly believes that the potential within us is not even close to being tapped. And it's not because it isn't in us and it's not because God didn't give it to us. And it's not because Christ didn't tell us we had it. It's because we have accepted the narratives that are around us that tell us constantly that we can't and worse that we're slaves and we're lesser proof in the pudding. You have to have a degree to get a job and to get a good job. You have to have a higher degree. Just saying, I don't know of any stories in the Bible of seminary. I know a lot of stories of people that were never intended to follow a place of preaching that ended up there. And again, three great ones, David, Gideon, and Joshua. So in this time when we have so much upheaval going on and there's so much pressing threat, I do think a lot of the reason that it continues to grow so much is because there's way too many people that just accept that there's no stopping this, even though we're told that we have authority over it. But I do think that it can all be stopped with a dedicated few, that remnant, whatever that looks like, when we totally let go of our programming and we accept the truth through Jesus. And how that looks like in execution and what that looks like in true manifestation, I can't say. But that's not for me to say. It's just for God to reveal in each of us as long as we trust in him. And that is what the most, for me, the most profound piece of it all. Because God's awakening people that will listen. He's empowering people that will listen. 
And he's not dumping the whole bucket load of knowledge that everybody needs right now. It's dripping out, but it's dripping out faster and faster. And it's epic of what's happening, and it's beautiful. And I think that in the end of the day, when it, all of that comes together, I don't care whether they've got an F-35, an F-18, an F-22, if they've got Space Force, if they've got the latest, latest high-speed kit, it doesn't matter. Because if the Lord wants the victory and we're dedicated to him, it will happen. And that literally, every single day, that crosses my mind and I smile because it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's his plan. We're his soldiers. And with our obedience in him, this thing is in the bag. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight just very humbled and, and very blessed and just have reflected very deeply on t- two amazing passages, Luke ten nineteen and John fourteen twelve. And considering and pondering all that the potential in these passages mean, what that implies for us. And Father, we don't claim to have the answers. It's not even part of this. We've just considered the words that have been spoken and the power that has been extended for us to literally have authority over the power of the enemy, to be able to walk on snakes and scorpions and to be able to do greater works than he. Those are profound, profound words. And so this evening we just pray for discernment and clarity, not expecting the whole potential of these to be dropped upon us, but then again, That isn't for us to second guess either. But rather for us just to open that trust in you and say we hear and we see the words and we believe. All we're asking for now, Father, is where's that next step? What's that step you want us to take? And we shall obey. I would say that for the many that are here this evening, I would say that there's a lot of comfort in where we are in the station in this world, knowing that we are in alignment with you and things are unfolding as you would desire. And we say that with the trust and the obedience to where you need us to be and equally an increasing level of fearlessness that we walk into this world with, not worried about that which we cannot control. And so with that, again, we return to these two passages tonight. And just ask that you can place on our hearts a greater clarity of what you would want each one of us to do in terms of these scriptures and to guide us in these places to provide us with a deeper understanding and a deeper meaning to what these words are and how they manifest and become part of who we are in a daily life. Thank you for all that has been done and sacrificed for us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's important in all of this always, and I, I, I do in my daily life. I don't think twice about it. I, don't, I just do. I just talk to Father like that. <laughs> That's the only way to say it. You know, and I just think the process of us all being honest and 
having that intimate relationship of trust because he's there. Jesus is there. And having that conversation and not being concerned with being rebuked if we do or if we don't or maybe something more profound is open. But if we're not honest with our hearts and just seeking the question, there's never a dumb question. And we're seeking and questioning and asking. I think that that's where we get a deeper and deeper relationship in such a way that we build something greater than we've ever imagined. And we we're able to mature in ways that we've never imagined. You know, and, and just in closing here, because I've I use this term perfection a lot, and not everybody I mean not not everybody may relate to that. And I, and a lot of that comes from a perfection in the balance of all things, which isn't perfection like we think about it. And if you sit in, if you go into the wilderness and you sit quietly in the forest and you just sit quietly in the forest, literally, there is a perfection that exists within those moments that we cannot physically create. It's a symbiotic relationship of all things that only God could create that level of perfection. So when I talk about perfection, if there's a snapshot to give you, that's it. It's the perfection in unity and balance of all things. And to me, seeking that within the body of Christ puts us somewhere in that forest. And it's a beautiful place to be. And I think it's there that we start to develop the deeper and deeper relationship and meanings of some of these passages that we talked about tonight and all passages that we go through. Just thoughts, things to think about. Patriots, have a blessed evening. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up. I, I always encourage us, just pray and, and talk to God. There's no formal way. Have a good conversation. Pull up a chair. Open the door. Invite him in. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk fearlessly and boldly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow night for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now.
Thank、you 